honey bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to Tennessee farm. Table, cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm. Table, pick them maters, good and ripe. Dropping black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm. Table, bring it to Tennessee Farm. Table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table, a show dedicated to the people of our Appalachian region who produce, prepare, and preserve our foods and agricultural products. Our theme song you just heard was sung, arranged, and produced by East Tennessee Zone Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, and this is your hostess Amy Campbell. Today we are setting the table with the family farm. We go up to Mossheim, Tennessee, and visit with the Bales family of Bales Farms. This is a six-generation century farm run by Barry, his wife Allison, and their son Marshall. They raise beef, lamb, pork, chicken, and eggs in a sustainable fashion. And Barry is also a musician, having won 15 Grammy Awards for his work playing over the past 30 years with Allison Krause and Union Station. And a special apple cake recipe that Allison Bales will share with us that comes from her grandmother, Billy Ann. Thank you so much for joining us today at our Tennessee table. We appreciate your good company. Now let's join the Bales family and hear about their farm. Well, y'all got a beautiful place, and Allison and Marshall and Barry are who I'm talking with. And um, Allison's even got some muffins and coffee made. Thank you. Of course. That's nice. My understanding that you are really serious about sustainable agriculture up here. But I'd love for you to share with us sort of your feeling about how y'all raise your livestock, what kind you raise, and your feeling about farming. Well, the, the history of the farm, I'll, I'll give you an overview. Um, between the stuff that I already knew and uh, some of the things that have come to light, we, uh, you, you and your listeners uh, may be familiar with the uh, Tennessee Century Farm Program yes. through MTSU. Uh, so we, we decided to apply for that or register for that, whatever the word is. And you have to trace back deeds and things and basically prove that a farm's been in your family for at least 100 years. So we have a neighbor, a real close neighbor, that does things like that, does research and researches old Revolutionary War land grants and things. So he's, and he's from here, so he knows everything about everything. And he, we got him to, to look back and, and uh, the direct trace back as far as our family goes, it, uh, this farm goes to 1882. So Marshall's the sixth generation to live here. I would, my mom grew up here so that that's that's my line through it and, and my grandparents. We had so much fun together. I would come 
I spent every summer here. I was born and raised in Kingsport. You know, mom uh, grew up, moved up there to get a job and got married and all that. So my grandparents would come and pick me up the day school let out for the summer. And uh, I'd come down here and they'd take me back the day before it started back in the fall. So until I was, basically until I, you know, old enough to drive and, and all that, up until I was about 16 or 17, I did that every summer, you know, for the entire summer. And just followed my grandfather around and uh, he raised beef cattle here. They never raised tobacco that I remember, but that, like most farms in East Tennessee, especially in Greene County, that's what mm-hmm. kept this place going. So, um, you know, he, of course, somebody his his age and his era, he was born in uh, 1908, or he, did, he didn't know the term sustainable agriculture or anything like that, but he, he did a lot of that. It wasn't called that and didn't really know it, but for all intents and purposes, he was doing grass-fed beef. You know, we had a, a big herd of cattle and... They had run of the run of the farm, and there was no feed lot, or you know. I mean, he he's the kind that that he he would feed a little grain, you know, before he put one in the freezer. But I mean, it was essentially grass fed beef, and so so that's that's what he did, and he was my hero, and that's that's where I learned what little bit I know about farming, and where I got the love for it was through them and the my childhood, and uh, after we got married. Allison and I, I never really thought I would do that for a living or, or even really dabble in it uh, with the touring and, and my day job. I just didn't figure there was ever time for it. But uh, after Marshall came along, you know, I got to thinking that I'd really like for him to have the opportunity and the experience that I had. And uh, so as a result, we, we decided to get a few animals. I think we started with laying chickens. And we progressed from that and we got a pig or two and got a steer or two and uh, just so he would have that experience and so we could start raising some some of our own meat well then we got to thinking well if we if we raise enough extra to sell to cover the cost of ours wouldn't that be great so we did that so then from there we had enough to where it was kind of a word-of-mouth thing as far as friends and neighbors and relatives buying our products. I mean, we didn't even really think of it in those terms at the, at the time, but it kind of just has been a steady snowball effect since then. And so we're we're raising uh, grass-fed beef. We're doing pastured poultry and uh, pastured pork. And uh, I've turned the turned the egg business over to Marshall. That's his enterprise. So what kind of what kind of chickens do you raise? Well, I have. I have a lot of Buff Orpingtons, three Buckeyes, one Black Copper Moran, and then, yeah, and then um, I go on one dog. Now, do you have trouble with um, possums or skunks or raccoons or anything getting your chickens? Uh, not anymore. Did you have trouble like that? Um, yes, ma'am. Oh, we're glad you're on top of that. When we first started, I built a, a mobile chicken coop. Oh, on, yes. on an old trailer and you know I'm lazy so I try to make things as hands off and as easy as possible so I put a, uh, a timer on it and a solar panel and an automatic door so that in the morning it would automatically open the door and the chickens could come out and in the evening it would you know so I didn't have to do anything and I, and I would pull it around different places and all that but uh, eventually the coyotes figured it out oh, so they'd be there waiting when the door came open. Doggone coyotes! But we've since gone to uh, mobile chicken tractors. Okay. And uh, the very first one I ever built, we lost one 
one chicken. I don't. I still don't know what it was. Whether it was a coon or something. It was something that was able to reach. It didn't get in, but it re, it it stuck a paw in and was able to grab something. Mm-hmm. So I've changed my design a little bit. But that's been how many years ago? Three or four years ago, and we haven't lost a single bird to predator since then. Yeah, that's a that's a very frustrating, maddening thing to mm-hmm. you know raise your birds up and then just like that something get in them mm-hmm. gotta start over you know when you got them all on the same tractor it's kind of hard to figure out exactly who's not laying anymore it is, so it? if we can do that i'm thinking about taking taking the ones that have quit laying moving them to the mobile coop mm-hmm. moving it down into the field where my steers are and let them be my fly control marshall do you have to you know get the pitchfork out and clean all that mess out of there um, no ma'am, I don't. So, we'll go down and hook our four-wheeler up to it and pull it each day. And so they get uh, clean grass every day. Yes. That's right. We, we Rather than go up and uh, spend all our money at the co-op buying fertilizer, we just let the chickens do it. Sounds good. How old are you, Marshall? Eleven. Well, goodness, that's quite a responsibility and good for you for taking that on. He's a good farmhand. We don't use, we, we don't do anything preventative. Like we don't vaccinate, we don't use medicated feed, we don't, you know, any of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if we have, as, as we would our own child here, if we have a sick animal, we're going to treat it. We haven't had very much of that. We've got uh, one steer that had a real bad case of pink eye this past, past summer. We gave him a couple of shots. He'll be ours, you know. Mm-hmm. That'll, that'll be the one that we be for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, you know, we will continue, to, I would think, continue to go that route. If if an animal's sick and needs treatment, we'll treat it. But the fresh air and the sunshine sure do a, do a lot of good. They do. And keeping them healthy. And, and, and you know, that's, that's we would rather focus on uh, good feed, good treatment ahead of time. As I like to look at that as a preventative more than just socking them full of uh, vaccinations. I sort of kiddingly uh, liken it to a, a bourbon distiller. We, we like to look at ourselves as sort of small batch. I like to err on the side of having enough pasture to go around and, and not really overdoing your stocking rate. We've, we do uh, rotational grazing, so you know I, I like to keep things manageable, and, and it's, it's a balancing act, of course, not having too many for your, for your land, for your pasture, and, and also trying to figure out as far as demand and, and keep things uh, staggered right according to when they'll be ready to process. And, now, I read on about taking care of your livestock. I got the impression from what I read that you learned that from your granddaddy about really respecting your livestock and wanting to impart that on Marshall. Yeah. It will physically manifest itself in the end product if you if you mistreat your animal. So regardless of how you feel philosophically about it, if you're if you're in it trying to make money, you're going to have the best product in the end if you treat your animals well. And then on top of that, we just think you know we're entrusted with these creatures, and they're as as corny as it might sound. I mean, they're giving their lives to feed us and others. So absolutely, they they they're worthy of respect. So 
and it doesn't really take any extra effort to treat them good and they'll, they'll be easier to work with easier to catch easier all the way around if you've just joined us you are listening to the tennessee farm table radio show and podcast and you've been listening to the bales family of bales farms in mossheim tennessee this is a sixth generation family farm and we've been talking about the way they raise their livestock Barry has been playing in the band Allison Krause and Union Station for nearly 30 years now. And when we return, we're going to hear how Barry learned music, some of his early influences, and his wife Allison Bales will share with us an apple cake family recipe that comes from her grandmother, Billy Ann. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table is brought to you in part by Century Harvest Farms and Century Harvest Farms Foundation in Greenback, Tennessee. A sustainable farm in East Tennessee producing 100% grass-fed beef and other wholesome farm products. Preservative-free grass-fed charcuterie, preserves, pickles, and jams. Also home to the community-serving, food-insecurity-fighting Century Harvest Farms Foundation. Details at CenturyHarvest.com Let's join back up now with Barry Bales of Bales Farms in Mossheim, Tennessee, along with Barry's family, Allison, and their son, Marshall. Barry is also a member of the band Allison Krause and Union Station and has been for 30 years now, having won 15 Grammys. We're now going to hear how Barry got into music, some of his early influences, and then, and then Allison Bales will share with us an apple cake family recipe that comes from her grandmother, Billy Ann. Now, when she starts telling that recipe, don't worry if you don't have a pen and paper. I've got it on my website. wanting to talk a little bit about music stuff. I bet most people want to talk to you about that because most, uh, for years and years, people have been listening to Allison Krause and Union Station. Mm -hmm. You've been there since day one, haven't you? Well, the band was going before I got there, but I'm quickly approaching 30 years. How did you get involved with that outfit? Just the way the bluegrass world works. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was playing in in a sort of a regional band from around here with a bunch of folks that a lot of the listeners probably know Adam Steffi, Tim Stafford, and you know you go play bluegrass festivals every weekend, and mm-hmm. there's five to ten other bands on the festival, and you get to know everybody and be friends, and you have your favorites, and you have people that you think's great, and the upper level bands always think in the back of their mind they go, well, hey man, that that kid's good, you know, if I ever need a banjo player, I'm gonna call him, or if I ever need whatever. So that's right. That's kind of the way it worked out. You know, I was I was completely consumed with music, and that's all I ever wanted to do. Once I started playing, that was kind of a parallel thing with the farm, uh, and it came about. And, and I never really felt like, okay, here it is. As far as I look back on it now, and it's like, wow, I've been I've been making a living at this for thirty years. Pretty amazing. The job came open, and I jumped at the chance, and just knew that I was going to be playing for a living. I I never once asked, well, okay, what. What do I got to do? What am I going to make? All that. It's just, it's worked out. That's a, that's a prime example. And I've, I've tried to share that with Marshall about if you, if you have something that you love and, and that you're passionate about, it won't ever seem like work. And that's, that's the way music always was. And that's the way the farm is for me. Where'd you learn music? Did you have family or people who did it or 
as a kid, did you just want to get into it? Or? My dad played. Uh, he played guitar and mandolin uh -huh. for his own enjoyment. He'd get his guitar out after supper and sit in the living room and play and sing. Growing up here in East Tennessee, you're, you're just surrounded by it mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. So to have it in the house and everywhere you go on the radio every Saturday or every day in a lot of cases. Uh, when I was about 10, I decided I wanted to learn to play guitar. And Dad had the wherewithal or the wisdom to insist that I go and take lessons. I wanted him to show me how to play guitar. And he was like, no, you need to take real lessons. And so I did that for a while. And through that, we started going to, there was a guitar a music store called the Guitar Shop in downtown Kingsport in those days. And on Saturdays, that's where everybody would go and hang out, and that's where people gave lessons. And it was really the center of the bluegrass, local bluegrass world. And I met a lot of people there that I have played music with professionally, a lot of people that are, are some of my best friends in the world, and just learned a lot. You know, it was a way to get out rather than being in my room listening to records I was out amongst people that were playing and that were really good players and through that and the relationships there started down the road of playing in local bands and just it's just snowballed from there and propelled me pretty directly to where I am then. That's fantastic. Are there key influential people that when you were a kid around that guitar shop that just really kind of took you under their wing to show you things? Oh yeah, there was, uh, and a lot of them became bandmates or great friends or, or both. Audie Ratliff was one that really, really helped me out a lot. Audie is a, uh, he's played in a lot of bands in the area. He's a, actually an a incredible luthier. He makes mandolins. And uh, he's in, uh, over around Church Hill. But he was always there. He gave lessons there. Uh, years later, when I was in college, I worked for him helping him build mandolins and giving lessons down there at the music store. The, the first guy to ever give me a job is a guy that still lives here in Greenville, uh, Bill Deerstone. Had a, had a band in the area called Flint Hill, and he hired me when I was 14 and would haul me around all over the place, you know. And, and uh, uh, Tim Stafford, Adam Steffi, James Allen Shelton, all were down there, all great friends, great musicians. So many people from that world went on to be professional players, you know, and, and it, it, it was really a uh, hotbed of great musicians, which East Tennessee is that way anyway. I, I wish I had appreciated it more at the time, but one of our neighbors, one of my grandparents' good friends, Roger Harmon, lived basically right across the road. He was an old-time fiddle player, and at the time I was 12, 13, and he was in his... 70s. He'd come over here uh, about every week, one night after supper during the week. He'd bring his fiddle and I'd get my guitar out and we'd sit there in the living room and play. What's that apple cake recipe about? You know, how do you do that? Okay, so you take, um, you mix together your dry ingredients, which are two cups sugar, two and a half cups plain flour, um, one teaspoon. Um, each baking soda, salt, and baking powder. And um, you can put cinnamon in it if you want. Uh, my guys are not huge cinnamon fans. so. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, you're going to mix together uh, one cup cooking oil and two whole eggs. And then, of course, mix that together. Um, and then you can either slice 
your apples or dice them. So, and of course, peel them, but either slice them or dice them. And you want three cups um, apples. And then um, one cup nuts, whatever nuts you want. And if you want, you can put in um, one package of butterscotch morsels if you want. If you want. Um, And then so you just uh, mix all that together. Um, You put it uh, in a 9 by 13 dish and uh, you bake that for about 60 minutes at 350. Okay. And then if you want, um, you can put, uh, you can put some caramel icing on it. Um, if you make it that way without the icing, it's a little, you know, it's coffee cake for breakfast. And uh-huh. so, um, yeah. so that's, that's one way to have it. But then if you want to take it for full on dessert somewhere, um, caramel, the caramel icing is just um, uh, one stick of butter, um, one cup of brown sugar and just a pinch of salt and a fourth of a cup of milk and then two cups of um, powdered sugar and um, you just mix that together and uh, you can just pour it on top of the warm cake and then let it all just sit and cool. And oh yum, that sounds so good. Mm-hmm. Now, now tell me again which grandmother this is so this is my maternal grandmother okay that um and she used to make this a lot oh and her name and where she's from again her name um was billy ann king and um she's from lebanon virginia up in russell county gosh that sounds like a good recipe Yeah. yeah well mercy gracious thank you so much for sharing all this stuff with us glad to yeah i really appreciate it and uh, y'all just got a good thing going here. The Bales family, Bales Farm, Mossheim, Tennessee. That's us. We're, we're enjoying it and, and having a lot of fun. Well, it's just a good story to tell. Thanks. And you've been listening to an interview with the Bales family of Bales Farms in Mossheim, Tennessee. They spell their last name, B-A-L-E-S, just like a bale of hay. And I also wanted to let you know where Bales Farms meats can be found in the Knoxville area. In terms of grocery stores, Three Rivers Market carries their chickens. And the restaurants that serve their meats go like this. Ollie B. in the Old City uses Bales Farms meats, including chicken, pork, duck, and lamb. Rebel Kitchen in the Old City uses their chicken and lamb. And Knox Burrito Food Truck uses Bales Farms lamb, pork, and chicken. And more information about their farm and products by Facebook at Bales Farms TN. That's plural, and they spell that B-A-L-E-S-F-A-R-M-S-T-N. And on Instagram under Bales Farms. Also put their links and the recipe Allison Bales shared with us on my website, TennesseeFarmTable.com, under the link that says, Listen to the Show. How about we close up the interview today with your pick of one of your favorite bluegrass gospel songs? I know that's a hard mm. question. But... Oh, I, I, I know a good one. is uh, from the, from the, the Ralph-Keith Whitley era. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you afraid to die? Well, how about we close with um, "Are you afraid to die"? That'd be great. All right. That's it. Yeah, that's the that's the. Uh, I think that's seventy-seven, maybe, with uh, Jack Cook and Curly Ray Klein, and I think that was Ricky Lee on lead guitar. Mm-hmm. Well, goodness, thanks so much again. Thank you. Thank you.
thing Are you afraid to die? Are you afraid? Are you unsafe? Are you afraid to die? Call on him while he is near Moments are swift passing by so much for your great company here today on the Tennessee Farm Table. Hope you can join us again right back here next Saturday at 9 a.m. on the radio dial at wdvx.com out in Knoxville or anytime on our podcast, tennesseefarmtable.com. Our theme song was written by myself and sung, arranged, and performed by Emmy Sunshine of East Tennessee. More information about Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. That is spelled T-H-E-E-M-I Sunshine.com. We hope you'll reach out and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and also our podcast on TennesseeFarmTable.com. And please tell your friends about us. We want to say thank you to WDVX Radio out of Knoxville, Tennessee. They are a true community-supported radio station that does not receive funding from universities or government agencies. The community and businesses support WDVX. Through an agreement with WDVX, they are our media partner, and the Tennessee Farm Table Show is broadcast on that station every Saturday at 9 a.m. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.
some good sound, Marshall. Happy chickens make happy eggs. <laughs> they do, don't they? All right, buddy, let's go.